Gallardi right down the seam. Barner backtracks to the 20. Kenyon 25. Reroutes 30. 35. Barner 45. 50. Has a block on the perimeter. He's only got the putter to beat. Gallardi is cut down and Barner scores. Touchdown Kenyon Barner and it is 77 yards on the punt return. How sweet must that taste to Kenyon Barner who used to play here in Carolina. You're listening to Falcons Audible, presented by AT&T. And I'm Matt Tabeek, joined with Dave Archer and DJ Shockley. DJ, how you doing? It is a victory Monday here in Flowery Branch. Yes, sir. Falcons are coming off at 29-3 and win over the Panthers. And, fellas, they have outscored the past two opponents 55-12. And Atlanta's defense has gone 10 straight quarters now, Dave, without surrendering a touchdown. They're on a roll, to put it mildly. Yeah, 11 sacks. Uh, you got four turnovers in this game, forced the quarterback into some bad throws, and and those are plays where you don't even count, where you force the quarter out of the po- quarterback out of the pocket or hit him as he was letting it go. This has been a this has been a fun uh, renaissance, if you will, as to what this defense has looked like. You go back to the second half of the Seattle game, which is where Coach Quinn points to is that uh, the the changeover the and how this has worked. Yeah, it, yeah, the shift. Um, that you've gotten complimentary football, and it's something he's talked about. And this game was probably the epitome of complimentary football shock when you get the defensive performance. Offense had a couple of short field opportunities, did not cash that in, but and you're not feeling overly good, and all of a sudden Kenyon Barner, the third phase of the game, kicks in, and you get a little touch there as far as uh, – So, I mean, that's as good as it gets from a complimentary football standpoint. Love the fact that – you got something going on special teams. For years, we have been asking for a return of some sort to happen to help this offense. And for the longest, it has been created by your defense for short fields. And now, Kenyon Barner looks like the guy that you brought him here for. And, I mean, it was it was, it was was great to watch. I mean, obviously, uh, the longest return we've had since, what, 1990 with Dion. I mean, it was 78. 78 and yards. was 79, 79. Correct? I mean, it was – it was fun to watch that. Uh, fun to watch this defense, man. You know, this defense has definitely turned the corner. I think this team is starting to look like what everybody expected it to look like when you started the season. And everybody's feeding off everybody. I think the fact you talk about complimentary football is number one. But uh, all three phases are in sync. The fact that you got, you know, a couple coaches on the defensive side and, and, and Coach Albrecht and Raheem working together. I know they did it back in 15 or whatever, but mm-hmm. uh, that is working really well. And, of course, Coach Quinn has a lot of say-so in that. I mean, he, he's on the he's on the headsets with him with, with his own suggestions and everything. But I think ultimately it's well, what we talked about. He's coaching the D-line too, right? No he's doubt. He's coaching the D-line, yeah, hands-on on the D-line. Yeah, he's more involved. And I think ultimately what it came down to is these players. The players have decided to make a change. The, the off-week – I think guys looked at themselves in the mirror and said, guess what? These coaches have put us in position. They called the right plays. You know, we've had our opportunities. But at the end of the day, it's not on the coaches. It's on the players. And you can see there's a concerted effort for those guys to play in a different style. And they're doing it now in all three phases guys care about. It. I mean, one, one example that epitomizes how much of these guys play for Dan Quinn is Tack comes off the field with his shoulder hurt, and the first person that he meets is Dan Quinn, and he gives him a forearm shiver with the other arm that's pretty good. And you see him just, you know, 
that right there is is different, man. I mean, he's hurting, but his coach is there. They're laughing about it, having a good time, and it just speaks volumes to where this team's going. Tech is different. Tech is good. Um, <laughs> you know, the biggest one of the biggest Tech is wise. Should we go there? <laughs> I like that. Uh, maybe he'll put that in his Twitter bio now. Um, <sighs> He's got some got some good Twitter I tell uh, you, stuff going on. I tell you, yeah, you know, you guys talk about complimentary football, and that's a phrase that's thrown around thrown around a lot, and they exemplify it. But uh, there's no question, though, that I, it just feels like the defense is leading the charge here, and uh, the offense is playing efficiently, and it was a great return. And how sweet was that return for Kenyon? He had played there last year, so yeah. uh, coming back and, and burning his old teammates, that was kind of fun to watch. But, Dave, the one stat that just really pops off – uh, the sheet to me is the Panthers went 2-14 on third down, and they were 0-2 in the red zone. Uh, again, you know, we talked about the score, the, the touchdown-less streak, 10 quarters, dating back to the uh, Seahawks loss, but this defense tightens up when it matters, and uh, they're getting the uh, – getting that offense off the field, and that's huge. Never mind the takeaways. The yeah, win, win, you got to win the moments, no question about it. And if you go back to the Seattle game, uh, the three opponents you've played, and this counts the first half of that Seattle game as well, your opponents are 8 of 35 on third down. Now, this was a defense that was allowing teams to convert over 50% of the time in the first seven games, 8 for 35 in their last three games, and you, cut, you take that down to the red zone, They've converted three of eight opportunities in the mm. red zone, have your opposition, including 0 for 2 this weekend by Carolina. Mm. This was a – when you when you boil down defensive football, Shock, you know this as well as anybody does, it's hard to stop a team as well as this defense has done the last three – last two weeks, certainly giving up just four field goals. And that's difficult in itself, but – to try to limit their opportunities. And when you, the way you limit them, the way you get McCaffrey off the field is you win on third down, get him off the field. The way you keep him out of the end zone is if they do get there, then limit it to a field goal opportunity or make them go for it, put them in such dire need they have to go for it on fourth down, which they did in this game. And netted, you know, you netted four, four takeaways as well. So Overall, playing really well defensively, but moments of the game, which we talk about all the time, and that's what coaches are going to talk about. Let's win on third down. Let's win in the red zone. That's where they're getting it done. For me, you're talking about the Seattle game. Uh, that Obviously, that second half. For me, it goes to the end of that New Orleans game when, you know, you're up. You know, things could have – you could just say, ah, we'll, we'll let them score. And you fight your tail off and not allow that one more yard that they could get in the end zone – that just shows you this team is – it doesn't matter how much time is on this clock. This guy, they're playing with some pride, especially on that defensive side of the ball where, like you mentioned, the numbers that they have been giving up are ridiculous. And to be able to turn that around and play in the fashion in which they played the last, you know, 10 quarters is, is pretty, pretty unbelievable. Dave, last time you talked about how it was the first time since 2005 that the Saints were held under 10 points at the Superdome. Uh, you know, that's, you know, before Drew Brees and how just mind-boggling that was. Yesterday, it was the only the second time in the Ron Rivera era that they had been shut out for three quarters. Mm. Uh, they ended up booting a field goal in the fourth, but <laughs> mind-boggling. It's, it's just, can they, I guess, you know, everyone kind of chalked, I wrote this in my column, but everyone kind of chalked up the, the Saints game as possible, because, you know, they only won one game, and 
it was like, well, it's a rivalry game. It's a fluke game. They, it was the Falcons Super Bowl, and they came in, they were locked in. But they've done it back-to-back games now, and so, and, and, and we've been waiting for this to kind of happen. We know we know the quality of players. We know that Dan Quinn is a, is a very good coach in Albrick, and and now that you know the change they've made with some of the responsibilities. But it's there's a little more to this. This is this is this is no fluke. Is what I is, is my point. This is a good team. Here's something else to point to is in those first part of the season there was a lot of undisciplined things happening. You go back to this ball game, three penalties for 20 yards. That matters. Mm-hmm. Think about how many times they've had penalties that have extended drives, or you yeah. have penalties on offense that have put you in first and 20, and we talk about winning those moments, those third-down situations, or just critical times in a ball game where penalties have hurt you, mm-hmm. and that gets you off schedule on either side of the ball. Or if it happens on special teams, it sets your offense all the way back, and you got to go 80, 90 yards now. Three penalties for 20 yards, a more disciplined football team has turned into a better football team to get them going. And, you know, it's it's a great point because we were talking about in the first, you know, five, six, seven, eight games, it seemed like every week there was just some kind of breakdown. You, yep. you go back to the first game of the year. You talk a breakdown in special teams where the pump block, and it just trickles down. It snowballs. And then when you when you clean that up and you're not doing that, what a difference. And yep. and I think we're seeing that now. Yeah, and that's not something that coaching can get done for you. That's something that the Shock talked about this maybe just a few moments ago. Uh, there is a stock you have to take in yourself as a player, and you look if you do evaluate yourself, and that's what we all do when we sit down and watch the tape, is what am I doing? Am I doing everything I need to do to help us win? And if I'm committing some of those penalties or my step is incorrect on my ability to get a block to free one of our backs or if my am I at the right depth on my route, you know, in my hand placement as a DB when I'm jamming, those little things, and we talk about it all the time, it's something that was pounded in shock and I's head as a little mm-hmm. player, a young kid. If you do the little things, the big thing's going to happen for yeah. you. Now, we can argue and, and throw our hands in the air and say, what happened? Where was this early? I don't think you can get caught up in that. This is a young football team that kind of was trying to learn how to play with one another and, and different offensive linemen. You had a couple of young DBs that are – being asked to play much more minutes than they had before, the communication thing, all that stuff. A shift, uh, just a small shift from KZ shifting to free safety and Ricardo Allen sliding up to to strong safety has made a big difference from a communication standpoint. Little things like that have improved them, but it's a player-driven scenario, and that's really where it has to come from. You can get all the coaching you want to, and this is a really good coaching staff. They've put good good plans together because we've seen it moments of every game. There's been really good moments of almost every game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the players have to blend that for 60 minutes. They've done that over the last two and a half games. And different players have, have stepped up and flashed, especially the last two weeks. Um, you know, you Dave, you pointed out last week that, hey, you know what? It's not always going to be Matt Ryan with the gaudy stats. Matt Ryan against the Saints, we said it was, what, 182 yards, and Julio Julio had, what, 79. And then the, the script was flipped a little bit um, yesterday. Matt threw for 311, um, and Julio had a big day. And they didn't run the ball quite like they did against the Saints, but it didn't matter. It's just, you know you know what I'm saying here. It's, yeah, it's, you're, you're, the defense I, has been <clears throat> sure. taking the ball away, and – Sometimes it's give and take with whether it's a, the run or the pass. But I'll say this for the run game and 
kind of struggled making my point there, but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you wrote all the way through it. I think uh, last week, <laughs> last week we talked about a guy in Brian Hill who at times had those hidden yards. Yeah. I thought in this ball game, even though you didn't have the gaudy numbers, there were times where you had short yardage situations, mm. third and one or right in, on the goal line, and you needed a yard or two, and you got it. I think those numbers, those situations matter sometimes a little bit more than if you rush for 150 yards. When you need to run the football, you run the ball. I thought they were able to do that at times. And, of course, you want to be better running the football. But yesterday was a day where you had those opportunities in short yardage situations and you won it. And those are situations in the game where you look back and say, wow, if we didn't have that, maybe we kick another field goal. Maybe that's three points. Maybe that's another scenario that keeps them in the ball game. Or maybe we have to punt the football and give them the football back. But you were able to – convert those situations and it doesn't look like big numbers on the stat sheet but they were big moments uh to this team for sure yeah and make no mistake this is a this was a carolina team that came into this game knowing that they were 29th in the league against the run that mm -hmm. they've been gashed six of the nine games coming in they've given up 120 plus yards on the ground there's a lot of pride on that side of the ball too you talk oh, yeah. about luke keekley and those guys they crowded the box with eight in the box to stop the run and that's mm -hmm. going to be tough but because of the way the defense was playing, and again, here's that complimentary football concept, and sometimes that's kind of kind of a mystic thing. You're able to stay with the run game and pound the run game the first couple series and make them continue to defend the run because what happens in about that third drive? All of a sudden, it's, it's play, play action, action yeah. throw behind it. They're mm -hmm. committing so many resources to stop the run. So, Dirk, as much as you're pounding your head against the wall, Dirk, throw the ball, he's setting it up. He's setting it up, and he continues to set it up with the run game, making them commit. They're having some success. They start feeling themselves, and then all of a sudden, boom, Julio, uh, Ridley. You, you got Gage, guys making grabs in behind. That's that complimentary football. That's that kind of that term where it comes together on the offensive side of the ball. How about, how about Dirk? Forcing Carolina to cover every single guy. Now you turn on the film. Now you talk about the five wide, wide receiver sets. Well, or no, not, just... not even the five receiver sets. I'm talking about there are times where they're designed plays for Christian Blake. There was designed play for Justin Hardy on a on the little short shovel pass near. Yeah, you know, Blake. Near, near Blake is zone. asking to make sure you reverse. Let's get the reverse out, especially if Trey Boss is playing That was as good a hit as I've seen in a long time, where nobody got hurt. Oh, you know? he got smoked yeah. on that one. Give Trey but, Boston but, some credit. Oh, on that. no, hey, I agree. By the way, Trey Boston, holy cow! Yeah, he had a, he had a good game. <laughs> but you're right, Shock, in getting. I thought the wrinkle with Hardy, oh, yeah. and if you go back and look at the tape, Jamon Brown completely screws up the blocking because it's a pin and pull, yeah. and they. They're going to bring Hardy right behind Ridley on the jet sweep. Yeah, because Ridley and if, comes if first. If Jamon yeah. Brown hits the first thing that shows in the hole, Hardy may score. Yeah. But he misses the block, mm. and so Hardy gets blown up for like a one-yard gain. But <laughs> it was a pretty cool wrinkle, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I, it was the first time I had seen that where all the eyes, usually when Ridley comes across eyes, everything are going to be looking at him. Right. So all the eyes go at him, and then here comes Ridley, it comes Hardy right behind him. Like you mentioned, one block and he's in, man. So, I mean, the creativity that Dirk is using is pretty cool to watch. And it's not just Julio. It's not just Calvin. It's whoever's in the well, ball. I, mean, I, I mean, Graham had a big yeah. catch down there in, in oh, the yeah. red zone. Two, I mean, two grabs for Graham, both for first downs. Yeah. Exactly right. I like watching him play. He just uh, – yeah, he – 
kind of reckless. You just abandoned. like his hair because you don't. Have I hair. have hair <laughs> hair envy there, I guess. Uh, but you, you talk about the, them sticking to the the run. I mean, they did still have twenty five attempts yep. if you take out the one kneel down from Matt Schaub, and it was nice seeing those big backs in the backfield, Quadri Allison and. Got his Brian first Hill. touchdown. That was oh, pretty cool. How cool was that? Him. That was pretty fun yeah, to watch. It was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. That's the bulldozer look you wanted right there. That's, what, that's the, the look we wanted. Boy, all um, of a sudden, and, and, and real quickly, just to reiterate maybe a little bit of what Shock's talking about, the hidden yardage, and also the punishment that goes along with it. Eric Reed mm-hmm. steps up on the edge. He's a box safety, and he ran into Quadre Allison down there on the goal line. And Where's he out? And he drove him back like three, three and a half, four yards on the play. Yeah. And you could see Reed get up and kind of shake his head a little bit. Now, give him credit for sticking his head in there. But how many times do you want to do that when you got a 225-pound back coming at you? Think about that a couple times. Yeah. Um, you know, we just talked about guys that kind of stood out. You, you talk about just moving guys around, Dave, and Rico. Uh, those back-to-back plays he made, the pass breakup and then the pick right after it. KZ coming in, he's playing a little bit more. Uh, he seems to be more confident. He's throwing himself into those plays, making yeah. uh, those tackles. But Devondre Campbell, second game in a row, just has really just stood out. And he, I think, how many tackles he had? 11, 11? 11 tackles. He's the leading tackler on this team, too. Yeah. I think that people forget that. Great year. Each year yeah. he's gone up, too. Yep. And he's think... having a great year quietly. That dude is so smart, man. I mean – Archer sit down with him was was pretty cool to to listen to and hear him talk about the progression and the growth that he's gone through now in his fourth year. And he talked about you asked him about guarding a guy like Olsen. And I love what he talked about. And you can't take any guy for granted. But then he also talked about there's so many things that he does nuance wise in a route uh, at the line of scrimmage using his body. And he has to think about how do I guard a guy like this who not as fast, may not as athletic, and a lot of guys may overlook, but he said he does so many things that you have to really prepare for. And I just thought it was so cool to watch and listen to a guy who is known now as a leader on his football team, and guys listen to him. Mm-hmm. And he talked about having to do it day in and day out, bring the energy, bring the juice, be able to show it and kind of play with his actions on how guys are following him. But just the, the preparation he puts in, it's a reason why this guy is a leading tackler and why he's playing at such a high level. Dave, I, every so often I've been making it a point to try to ask you about the offensive line play. I know Matt was ultimately sacked three times yesterday, but I felt like that at times he had a nice clean pocket and time to sit back there. I felt overall considering you know, he, this front, considering the the playmakers they have on this front and and then throw in the rookie Brian Burns. Um, I thought for, for the most part, I thought the offensive line had a pretty decent day. What do you think? Yeah, I thought they, I thought they did a decent job in protection, had a tough time moving them off the ball in the run game uh, simply because there was too many people in the box, but that was something Dirk took advantage of with the play action stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought was pretty cool. Caleb McGarry had a little bit of a rough game. Okay. Caleb, he's learning. Think about, Think about what Caleb McGarry has seen so far, guys, in the first 10 games. Right out of the box, he gets Daniel Hunter. I mean, that's a pretty good pretty good player, right? Then a couple of weeks later, he gets J.J. Watt. Okay, that that's not easy, right? He gets Cam Jordan last week, and this week he gets Gerald McCoy. And, Don't forget the Rams. Yeah, well, and he had the Rams. Well, 
out on the edge, you had Dante Fowler. You had Fowler coming off the edge. I don't put him in the realm of those guys, but he certainly had a good day. He had like two went, sacks in the game or three I, sacks. To in the quote game. you, he said he he, he put himself in the, the Pro Bowl. Bowl. Yes. So, <laughs> but, I, but what the thing that you love about him is he's a rough guy that just kind of gets back in there and comes off the ball, and he's going to miss some guys, and he overextends a couple times. I think his pass protection is going to is going to grow exponentially. The thing that you can't teach is what he already has is he's a masher in the run game. He loves to come down and shorten people's necks. He's really good at the pin and pull where he comes down and just crushes one side of the line mm-hmm. and allows one of those guards to pull around. So, But for the most part, when you, put, yeah, when you put the points on the board that you did, um, you like, like what the offensive line's doing. I thought that this is a game where you won 29-3, to and you dominated the game. Yeah. But the offense will go into their meeting rooms and say, wow, we left a lot on the table. And give credit where credit's due to Carolina. They've always been a rough defense. But you had a turnover down in the red zone, couldn't get it in. Or down near the red zone, around the 30-yard line. Short field opportunity on a horrible punt near midfield, right? So two really short field opportunities early in the game. I mean, this game, you could have looked up at at halftime, and it could have been it could have been 28-35 to nothing Easy. at halftime. Yeah. So give Carolina some credit uh, for hanging in there and fighting defensively because their offense was having all sorts of problems with the Falcon defense. One, one quote I'll add uh, about our, our man Caleb McGarry is, Arch, I'm listening to you guys on the broadcast. I think there was something happening under the pile. And uh, you said something to the fact of forget well, the ball. He may come all, out with a guy's arm. That's when Allison laid the ball <laughs> yeah, on the ground late, yeah, right? yeah. Allison fumbles the ball late, yeah. and the one guy on the bottom, you get to look in, and it's 76. And I said, wow, that's the last guy I want to be on the bottom of the pile with. He yeah. may come out with some guy's arm with the ball. I like Caleb McGarry. Yeah, uh, yeah. the upside on him is good. And I, yeah. I'm just pointing – you talked about O-line play, and to be honest, we had a, we had some missed blocks in, uh, a couple of times from pulling guards. And, and again – you got to credit. This is a really good front seven. When you talk about Carolina's defense, they're gonna, they're not gonna sit there and wait for you to block yeah, them. They're their linebackers knife and come after you. Yeah. So he, there was a couple missed blocks there. We talked about the Hardy play, and then Caleb is out there on an edge by himself. And and give him credit, he battles. But he's had a gauntlet of guys to play against this year. Mm-hmm. How much better is he going to be in the future? But but here's the other thing is, I mean, look inside this building. Look at the guys he has to face every single day in practice. You're talking about guys who are really ramping up things they do on the edge and tack and pick and AC. I mean, come on. He has no choice but to get better. So it's good he's facing those guys. But I don't think if you know Caleb McGarry, he won't flinch. He will be ready for any and every uh, guy they put in front of him. Well, we're talking about personnel real quick. I want to mention a guy that and, and give Thomas Dimitrov and the pro personnel group credit for going and getting – Adrian Claiborne back oh, on his team. Yeah, Adrian Claiborne had a really good year uh, two years ago in yeah. 17. He left, got him a Super Bowl in New England, was free again. They saw the value in a veteran defensive end. And he had two sacks yesterday. We mm-hmm. all remember the 17 game where he Six. pretty much retired Dak. Chaz Green. But Claiborne is one of those, another one of those guys that he has – Enough speed to get around the edge, but and the he's power, oh he's one goodness. of those shift to power bull rush guys. <laughs> I think he's he's kind of much as we talked about what Dwight Freeney did in sixteen with this with with Vic and those guys. I think that Claiborne he is slowly people are kind of hey 
let's watch this guy. This guy's been in the league for a while. He's a number one draft pick for a reason. Let's watch what he's doing. And I think they're picking up on kind of his fever pitch he plays with. If anybody's seen the one sack he had, I mean, <laughs> he put the, the bull guy. Rush. Oh, he put the yeah. guy. You talking about skates? Yeah. I mean, he literally, it was it was just unfair. His to reaction to, to that sack was, was great, too. He, uh, he, he, he bull rushed him, then he just kind of looked at Grady and just had this smirk like, yeah, I got him. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and he, he, was only, being he held on the plate, Basically, too. he's saying, you're not the only one that can get some of these now. He's yeah. Held. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the concerns going into this game was Christian McCaffrey. And, uh, you know, he always gets his, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, got, he got his yards, but they were kind of – those empty calorie kind of yards. You know, he had, uh, I think he had, he had 70 on the ground, 121 receiving. Yeah, 120 yeah. receiving. But it was just kind of, you know. And a lot of that was late, right? Yeah, you're playing late. a softer zone. You Check downs and yeah. all that, yeah. So to that point, he's so I good, think though. they, yeah, he's so good. <laughs> uh, he's ridiculously good. He's though. one of my favorite players yeah. to watch. I thought he should have won the Heisman coming out, but I think they did, I thought they did a really good job, especially for the er first half and three quarters uh, of keeping him in check. Well, um, he had one explosive run. It was the first, right it was side, the run yeah. right at the, at the start of the second half. And they had an, it was all in drive to start the second half. I said it on the radio. Yep. I said, I guarantee you Norv Turner is going to pull out every stop. They have to score on this drive. In fact, they went for it. Remember they were on the 35 him. yard line in Atlanta, Atlanta got them off the field. Yeah. But in that drive McCaffrey, I think touched the ball four times in the drive oh, yeah. and he had one explosive off the edge in the run game. But, yeah, I give them a lot of credit for kind of discouraging Norv Turner to run the ball because that really – I think they ran it 15 times in the game. They kind of got – it's not like the game got out of hand. Yeah. They could have stayed with it a little bit, and Atlanta mm -hmm. discouraged them to run the ball. That's, real, that's funny you bring that up. Go ahead. Real good communication. When you have a guy like that and where he belongs in an offense and where he lines up and how they use him, mm -hmm. another part of you know the interview you had with Devondre was – they put this dude everywhere. I mean, he's used in every single spot on the field. And, I mean, the Falcons knew that. But knowing when he does get the football, there were hats rallying to him. And that was the one thing that I know his defense talked about is when he has the football, you have to leverage him the right way. And if you don't, he's going to make you miss. He's going to force you into uh, situations he wants you to be in. And I thought they did a good job. I mean, we mentioned late the yards and all that kind of stuff. So that's going to happen. He's going to get it. But – uh, I thought they did a good job of limiting him in the extra yards, mm -hmm. the the big play capabilities that he has. Where he can, we've seen it this year where he's taking, you know, five six yard route and taking it sixty seventy or taking a run and taking it eighty. Mm -hmm. And I thought they did a good job of leveraging him on a lot of different plays and rallying to the football. He's such he's such a different player than Alvin Kamara, and a lot of people say, well, it's the same guy. Alvin Kamara is more of a straight line, one cut go guy. This guy is start stop. Zero to 60 and nothing. He can change direction. And not saying Kamara can't do that, but this guy, and uh, in, in Shock's exactly right, and that was the concept defensively. He didn't play. Remember all the man coverage you played against New Orleans? Mm -hmm. Played some in this game, but not nearly as much because they wanted a lot of hats to leverage him because they knew they were going to dump him the ball. And if you watch when he caught the football, there were a number of guys around him. They leveraged him inside, outside, got, got him and got him on the ground. And he was the guy that they were most dangerous. He touched it 26 times, which is kind of, I think, his average for the year. He's going to get 26 touches per game, and that's exactly what he got. Yeah, he got a lot of receiving yards late, as you mentioned, Matt, mm -hmm. but it was the empty stuff. The game was over at that point. Mm -hmm. You bring up a really good point, too. The last two games, this defense, they're tackling much better. They're swarming to the football. It's it, it's really evident 
Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's an attitude to tackle. And obviously, you got to take the right angles and stuff like that. I think they've done some of that in practice. But I think that at some point, it's one, that's one of the maybe the more attitude-driven things on this team uh, in football is tackling. Blocking is a very similar way, too. But it, blocking has a little bit more technique attached to it. Mm-hmm. Tackling has technique as well, but you got to want to. they got to come. And you see guys wanting to get it done. I think that – I really think that – of the all the shifts and maybe personnel and things, I think Ricardo Allen playing in the second level of the defense has been huge. You pointed out the plays he made in the pass game, one in the mm-hmm. middle part of the field, one in the back end on the interception overthrow. But his – we you we've watched Ricardo since he's been in the league and since they've moved into free safety, right? He was supposed to be, you know, that next guy that was going to be at safety for in a Dan Quinn defense – his communicate. Remember, he used to run down and have to tell the linebackers where to go. He's yelling at D Lyman, yelling. Now that he's on the second level, he can talk to everybody. The communication's there, and there's nobody that gets prepared to play. We get a chance to talk to him every week. Nobody prepares to play better than he does, as far as the tape he watches. He recognizes routes. I just think you're you're leveraging his abilities to the highest possible degree, put him in that position. Smart move. And we said it last week. We'll say it again. You know what? When you're one and seven and you, you reshuffle your staff and move your coaches around and and say, hey, you know what? It's on me. That takes that's a bold decision. And at a time when everyone is questioning everything about you and your team and props to Dan Quinn for standing firm and it's working. And, uh, you know, that's what a head coach is supposed to do and uh, make those kinds of decisions. So uh, I was thrilled for him. I was thrilled for the coaching staff, the players, and really thrilled for this fan base. Two great games. Fans this morning, <clears throat> little little, little too excited, I think. They're, they're starting to talk about, you know, hey, what, 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 what are our chances for, for playoffs <laughs> you know right now? I'll take um, that. I'll take that based on what we had before, right? We'll yes. take that. Let's go. Uh, Optimism is great. Yeah. I, I said, look, at I enjoy this and uh but let's tap the brakes a little bit you know one one person even asked mentioned the word super bowl and i'm just look for them to even have a chance it's less than one percent right now but if they can keep it going and they've done a great job of of locking in week to week the last two weeks they've got tampa bay next we'll talk about them in a second the only chance they would have and i don't want to waste a lot of time talking about a lot of scenarios yeah well, they'd have to win out, and the Saints would have to lose five of the last six, or the Vikings would have to lose out, or the Niners, or the Seahawks. It's, it's and they got tiebreakers over you too, so I mean, it's a lot and of so, scenarios. Yeah. Well, the one thing I will say, and <laughs> but I don't, to finish I eight and eight or nine and seven, yeah, and I don't want to. Uh, there's no reason to spend time on this right no. now. If we get into <laughs> no. December and we have a nice run going, then we <laughs> could maybe visit this. But you're two and zero oh in the division. And you now are kind of fashioning what you look like in the NFC. So those are two tiebreakers. You've got to take care of your division, win in division, then you also have to win in the NFC. So that being said, let's push that aside. Let's not worry about that right now. we got Tampa Bay coming in. You wanted to talk about Tampa. Yeah, let's talk about Tampa. I only brought that up because I'm getting a lot of questions about scenarios now, so I just wanted well, to it, just bring it up, be, talk about it's it. It's got to be fun for you to be doing those questions as opposed to what you're getting. I know you enjoy those. Your... Those are way better, right? Way better. Yeah. Um, way better, because if you feel like a broken record, that's mm-hmm. not playing a good song. Uh, <laughs> all right, so say what you want about the Bucks record. Say what you want about Jameis Winston and being a turnover machine, all of that. 
since I've been here the last three years, every time they play line up against Tampa Bay, Dave, it's a tough game. It's a close game. They, it's competitive. I'm expecting this game to go down to the wire because that it usually does. You should. You should, and I think it will. I think that uh, you've got one of the elite receivers and Mike Evans on the outside. Uh, he's got some complimentary pieces around him now. Jameis Winston turned the ball over four times this weekend against the Saints. Yep. He doesn't do that against Atlanta. Yeah. I don't know what it is, and, yeah. and obviously you've got to force turnovers. You got But he's also elusive enough. I think all of us remember that's covered this team when Jameis <laughs> broke in the league. He had a fourth and 18 run or whatever down the hell the it was middle, for a, right through the middle. Everybody got a stumbling. first down. This willed himself in position, and they I think they kicked the field goal and beat Atlanta that day. Yeah, this is a you talk about Carolina, you've beaten Carolina seven of the last eight times. And probably there's some numbers that are similar against this team, but this team has found a way to be in the game late. In fact, if you go back to the Super Bowl year, they beat Atlanta in this in in the Georgia Dome in the first weekend of the season. And so it, we didn't get off to a great start with Tampa, and, and Jameis had a big day. Jameis has had a lot of big days against Atlanta. This will not be a just a walk in the park because you look at the record. I mean, they're looking at our record and right. probably saying, well, this is going to be a walk in the park. So this is going to be a, a really tough game. It's a divisional game. You know them. And uh, they've ruled, retooled a little bit defensively uh, with some things. Now the Saints, you have a nice film to watch, right? The Saints had some success against them, but uh, – no, this is going to be a very tough football game. Five straight. The Falcons have beaten them. One and five straight? I no. knew it was going to be a similar number, but it doesn't feel that way, does no, it? No, it doesn't because the scores, well, first one's 43-28, 34-20, 24-21, 34-29, 34-32. Very close. So three, the last three are uh, yeah. within a score, <laughs> right? Runners. And before that streak started, Atlanta had lost three straight to them. So, yeah, they've. this has been a, a much tougher matchup than people think. So what are we expecting from uh, what's different? Have you had a chance to look at Bruce Arians' offense and, and Jameis in the under Bruce now? And, and it, My man Byron Leftwich. Yeah, Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich. We are, we I are wish Marshall. he was throwing it. Be that would have been a lot of fun. We'd get after him. It takes him forever to get rid of it. No doubt. Um, How do you like this matchup? Just it, just without just you know, surface level. What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's, a, it's a matchup that um, – from an offensive against their defensive unit, there there are a number of different players on the defensive side of the football, but uh, it's a Todd Bowles defense. That's uh, that Those two were together in Arizona uh, when Arians was the coach out there. Mm-hmm. Todd Bowles got that job to go to the Jets, so they, they kind of went their own separate way there. But uh, they've coached well together. He's He does a good job with the defense. Um, I think that they've, they've had some moments. Think about their moment out in L.A. when they went out and spanked the Rams. Went out there and put what fifty five on the Rams oh. uh, in 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 L A. Emotional game for them. Yeah, and so uh, one of those moments where you know they can kind of hang their hat and say, "Wait a minute, we can get this done." So this is a team that comes in not devoid of confidence. Um, so I I expect a very tough football game. I think that uh, Jameis is going to make some plays. The thing you don't want Jameis to do, and and you didn't want Kyle Allen to do. Um, is you don't want them to extend plays. I think that's one thing that Atlanta's done a really pretty good job of the last couple weeks with their pass rush, albeit you've gotten home 11 times, is you haven't allowed the quarterback to make a lot of plays out of the pocket. Kyle made a couple plays this weekend that extended drives. Jameis is great at doing that, getting out of the pocket. He's not a great runner. He's a physical guy, but he's really good at getting out of the pocket. 
The thing you know about Jameis is he's gonna he's got a big arm. He's gonna try to shove it into traffic, and you're gonna you're gonna have opportunity to make plays. He will take chances, and he can extend drives. He is he's a, look, he's entertaining to watch, and I know he, Buccaneer fans probably <laughs> want to pull their hair out watching him sometimes, but I know he he can he, for all the plays that you just kind of just bang your head on the wall. He makes those throws sometimes. Yeah. Where you're like he, he he's special, but. So, as a quarterback coming off a ball game where he's had those troubles and those interceptions and those issues, you know he watches the film and he's going to see this is an Atlanta team that can get last two games have turned people over mm-hmm. and he's turned people over. So I guarantee you he's going to come into this ball game still having that same mentality, but at the same time he's going to be a little bit more careful with the football because he knows if he turns the football over, they're out of his ball game. I'm looking at some of the scores of, of some of their games mm-hmm. and – when they beat Carolina, it was twenty to fourteen. I mean, when you, you lost to the Giants, thirty-two, thirty-one. Yeah. Uh, against the first Daniel time versus Jones. New Orleans, thirty-one, twenty-four. Versus Carolina, lost thirty-seven, twenty-six. I mean, twenty-seven, twenty-three to the Titans. Lost in overtime to Seattle. I mean, they're, they're in these ball games, yeah. you know. Yeah. So the, their record says, hey, they got a bunch of losses, but in the ball game, they're right there. So yeah. there's always those four or five plays that we always talk about in the game Go that could have went their way, and we're looking at. Tampa Bay had a different light, too. Let me ask you this, Shock. Okay, Jameis is in the final year of his contract. And as much as you don't want to bring in the monetary part of this and what does a kid's a guy's future look like, you know, he's obviously playing for his football future. Yeah. Maybe not in Tampa, but can he be a starter somewhere else? And, and so how much does that factor in with him from a personal standpoint? It's a team game, and he's got to play with his teammates and all that kind of stuff, but – on those personal levels where you're at home by yourself and you're kind of contemplating your lot in life, yeah. how much does that creep in, do you think, for him here? I think a lot. Um, he's a kid that I think we all know does not uh, does not have any lack of confidence. And you're talking about a guy who came into this league very highly, highly drafted, yeah. a lot of expectations for him, and I know the last thing he thinks about is wanting to be those guy, one of those guys that's a bust or doesn't end up getting a – you know, big-time second contract. He looks around at some of the guys that are around him that came out at the same time. So, absolutely, I think he thinks about my next step is what. And I think he has to put good things on film. He has to play at a higher level, and I think he understands that. And and every guy that plays this game is all for the team for sure, but they also know the business part of it, and you have to go out and put some good things on tape if you want to be a successful player, and I know Jameis Winston is in that same boat. Well, the Falcons have done a great job of locking in on their opponents the last two weeks. They, uh, the Bucks are up next. They've got four of their next five games are at home. That's nice. I love mm. that. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have in, in that stretch rematches with the Saints and the Panthers, too. Okay. Um, that's going to be fun, too. Yeah. So, uh, and it's a salute to service this weekend too. Yeah, that was something I wanted to touch on here. And it's a, it's a big deal around the league. And this month is a salute to service month around the National Football League. We saw a really good uh, display of that in Carolina this weekend where they brought in one guy who was 102 years old, World War II vet. They sang happy, the whole crowd sang Love happy that. birthday to him. Wow. It was phenomenal. Um, and really good job by the Panthers. Uh, really I know you're not looking for a pat on the back, but we're giving you one from Atlanta here. Did a great job of that. This is an important week for Atlanta. Atlanta really, this is something that's near and dear to Coach Quinn's heart. Obviously, Steve Cannon, who's 
who's the president of all the AMB uh, groups for for Mr. Blank. West Point grad. He's a West Point grad, Army Ranger. Uh, It's very near and dear to his heart as well. So it's a big deal here in Atlanta. There's a ton of vets that live here in Atlanta. Atlanta's going to host 96 families here at Flowery Branch. They're going to come out. They get to meet the players. Uh, Position groups are going to adopt those families and represent them in the game. Uh, If you get a chance to go to the game, you're going to see a tremendous display on the halo board of these guys talking about their experiences with these families and and all the things they've gone through. This is more impactful, almost more impactful for the player than it is for these families. And I know the families get a great pleasure out of being around the team and what the pomp and circumstance the Falcons put out there for them, and rightly so. But the players – you talk to the players, it's unbelievable how much it impacts their lives and stuff. So – a great week. If you if you aren't able to go to the game, make sure you stay tuned to AtlantaFalcons.com because the crew out here, Matt, and everybody that does stuff here at AtlantaFalcons.com is going to do a tremendous job of following the story and telling you the stories of these families and the interaction with the players. So I, I encourage you wholeheartedly to stay tuned and pay attention to what's going on. The Falcons are really committed to that, and I'm so glad that uh, I lobbed that up for you and you just knocked it out of the park. Um, I had no idea. Um, and I'm glad we, we talked about that. And, you know, you bring up Steve Cannon, too. You know, he noted to me when I was talking to him, but the, the Falcons have this empty chair in the, in the it's, it's, it's an actual stadium seat dedicated for the POWs, MIAs, and no one can sit in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a reminder. It's a, it's, it's a powerful reminder. But when I was talking to Steve Cannon about that, he noted that Georgia has, is home to Fort Benning, Fort Stewart, and Fort Gordon. When you think about that, there's – more so than any other state that's a lot of bases in one state and mm-hmm. so the military there's a large military presence in the state and the the falcons have taken that and and, and run with it and, and it's important to them because that they know a lot of their fans are, are are a lot of military people here are falcons fans so there's that concentration of military families here and and they want to make sure that they have a seat so to speak at this table um so I think that's really cool, and yeah, it's going to be a special week. Um, any final thoughts, DJ, on uh, on this two game streak and the Bucks coming up? It's Take good. Us home. It's it's what you thought this team should look like, and give the staff, give the players a lot of credit for not just mailing it in. So, as a guy who played for this organization, as a guy now who is a part of it on the other side and watching this team fight, it's it's truly rewarding to see these guys go out and compete the way they're doing and not just mailing it in when a time where a lot of people on the outside were talking really bad about every single player, coach, or whatever it may be, a part of his organization. And, I mean, I know you take a brunt of it too, talking to a lot of the fans. So, I mean, it it doesn't go um, unthought about as far as what the guys are doing and the staff is doing each and every week to put a good product on the field. And I know fans care about their team. I talk to fans all the time. They love this organization. Uh, they want them to do well. And to see this team continue to fight is all you could ask right now. And I think the team is doing that right now in their last two games. And I think they will continue to do that. So uh, kudos to Dan Quinn for finding ways, whatever it may be, to get this team headed in the right direction. When you're one and seven, and and then you turn around and win in this manner yep. in a dominant way, that it's not just they're not just like eking out wins here. They are, they have, they have made a statement the last couple of weeks, and 
you're right. And that, we'll just end it there. This team has not quit on its coach. And it's awesome to watch. And sends quite a message to the fan base, too. So, all right, that'll do it. Thanks, guys. This is Falcons Audible, presented by AT&T. 